Hey, my name is Kevin Clark. I'm the host of a new football podcast called Slow News Day. I want to tell you about it. On Mondays, Lindsey Jones and I will recap the weekend in football that was, as well as look ahead to what's next. On Wednesday, the normal Slow News Day, the thing you've been watching for years, current players, current coaches, current analysts talking about the football world. And on Friday... It's a wild card. Could be some college football, could be more pro stuff. It's a video podcast, so you can watch it on Spotify or listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on Spotify. It's Slow News Day. It's the Ringers Philly special presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page, plus start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Hungry dogs run fast. It's truly a Philly thing here. Welcome to the Ringers Philly special. <laughs> Shia Kapadia joined by Ben Solak, ace producer Cliff Augustine. It's been a while today, July 24th. We start, Ben's not going to like the sound of this, a 10-month journey, which is really what it is. See, we're going to have training camp, we're going to have the season, we're going to have free agency, we're going to have trades, we're going to have the draft, and then we'll take a break again in 10 months. It's officially the start of the 2023 NFL season with the Eagles reporting to camp Tuesday this week. Their first practice is Wednesday of this week. We're back, baby. Benny Souls, how we doing? Why would I not like this? I am a football I fan and I'm an Eagles <laughs> fan and I'm so excited. I like it being it, it, in the job now, being in the field is weird because you're like thrilled, but you're also just intimidated and terrified. I like yeah. the summer goes so fast. It's mid July and everybody's like, so are you ready for training camps? I'm like, no, 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 no. Kickoff is in September. Nope. It gets earlier and earlier every single year. But uh this is defending NFC champions coming back to 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 finish the job, man. This is as jacked up as i've been for like an eagles 
preseason process in a long time, right? It feels like the questions of the last several Eagles Augusts have been like, do they have a good quarterback with working a working body? Yeah. Is our head coach good? Like it's been like the big questions. Now it's like, man, wonder how Nick Morrow will look. Uh, what, 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 what an incredible luxury we have this year uh, going on the preseason cycle for the birds. It is wild on vacation. I do like a, a team by team sort of breakdown for myself so that once I get back to actually working, I have my analysis ready and just going through every Gosh, roster. Try hard. Uh, the starting line. No, trust me. I everybody knows I haven't been on this pod for like How a was month. vacation? Give us, give us a Capadia update. Uh, where we'll where get, were we'll the get, sites? We'll, where was we'll the weather? Get, Where'd you go? We'll, What'd you we'll do? We'll get to that. You know, I have okay, some, okay, you know, okay. I have some vacation takes, uh, later in the pod, but just going through. It's been a while, Sheil. And I've been, I've been hosting a show <laughs> on Ringer NFL with Steven. So now I'm, I'm jumping for the throat. I'm going first chair, baby. I'm asking questions. Listen, I'm ready to hand you the keys anytime you want. You want to do the, well, I'll, I'll be the analyst anytime. We'll mix that in this year, but just going through the rosters. Yeah. You just look at the, like, it's, it's what you said, the problems the Eagles have compared to the problems that at least like 28 other teams have, it doesn't even compare. I mean, the roster uh, is still in great shape specifically on the offensive side of the ball. And to your point about the last time you were this jacked up about an Eagle season, I mean, when's the last time they're, they're what second in Super Bowl odds behind the chiefs, I believe like when's yes. the, it had, it had to be the T.O. year. The last time they were like that at that stage uh, in terms of favorites to win the Super Bowl. I can't remember what they were the year coming off of the Super Bowl uh, with with Nikki franchise, but I would imagine it was a little lower. There's just no way they indecision. were second. That's for yeah, sure. They weren't second. Yeah, there was too much indecision. So, yeah, they are uh, absolutely among the favorites in the NFC league wide, even though, as we know, it's hard to get back uh, once you lose the Super Bowl. But hey, there's always exceptions. All right. So what are we doing today? Uh, before my break, what did we do? Our three most interesting players or something uh, yeah. for training? We got way ahead of it there. What was I thinking with that? Well, you, must, well, you must have seen that text from me and been like, what are you doing? Like, if training camp's a month away, why are we doing this podcast? Listen, that was our second <laughs> to last pod before training camp started. Why wouldn't okay. we do three That's players right. that are most intriguing? Doesn't matter the time. So what we're doing today is we're each predicting three storylines or three headlines, however you want to phrase it, we are going to see or hear about during training camp. So this is another way to kind of preview what's ahead here in the next month. I just got the Eagles practice schedule and I got to be old man sports writer, by the way. I mean, please, they, you, you barely have to go cover training camp two days in a row. It's practice, walkthrough, practice, walkthrough. I mean, back in my day, Ben, at Lehigh, yeah. not only is it every day, but it's morning, you go eat lunch, you come back at two o'clock for special teams. Oh my gosh, two, two a days. I'm that old that I saw two a days live. I feel like that really separates me from you uh, and my, <laughs> my other colleagues. But uh, what are the storylines we're going to see? Benjamin Solak, start us off. What do you have as number one? Honestly, I was kind of thinking about doing one of those as a first one of like, uh, you know, Eagles lack of like opinion, Eagles lack of training camp, going to be soft for <laughs> the opening of the season, so on and so forth. It is the changing of the tides, man, in terms of how how teams uh, 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 go about their training camp process and go about preparing for the season. And if the Eagles are a little bit dead in week one and week two, coming off a very long season last season, I think. It won't be too surprising, but I didn't do that as fun as it would have been to poke fun at the, uh, the old head sports writers. Uh, to me, like the number one most expected, most ex I'm so excited for this and I'm 100% going to take the cheese when I see it. Training camp headline is, man, N'Kobe Dean's in charge of this defense, isn't he? 
Man, man, is it, doesn't Nicobe Dean just look like he's commanding the field out there? Just look at Nicobe Dean, first team Mike linebacker, calling some plays, making a little TFL, a little fumble recovery, doing some leadership stuff. I'm very excited for, uh, like, like Nicobe's going to take all the first team snaps at linebacker because obviously he is, but still somehow, like, that's going to become a thing that matters. And Nicobe's going to be calling the plays because obviously he is. He's the Mike, but still that's somehow going to become something that matters. And I think you're going to get that kind of puff propaganda, but also I get why it's happening headline of like, man, Nicobe Dean looks like he's ready to like step in and take control of this defense, which is something I would like to see happen. I think he's got the talent for it. So I'm uh, I'm waiting very patiently for the Nicobe Dean training camp headline. That's a great one. I think that, yeah, that's probably like a one weekend type storyline. And I think the Eagles fan base is just like the Eagles fan base always wants to have a great linebacker to root for. And it's, and it's been a while since they've had a great one to root for. And Nicobe Dean does have all those intangibles. Linebacker to me is very difficult to evaluate level of play in training camp. Specifically, these are going to be mostly uh, non-contact practices, but it's all the other stuff you mentioned. It's teammates. It's Brandon Graham. Uh, he'll be the one coming out saying, oh boy, that, that, that Nicobe, I mean, he, he's out there yeah. like a 10 year vet. He told me to, he told me I was lined up too much inside. He bumped me over on my, uh, on my right hip, moved me outside. And that made all the difference in the run stop we had against the first team offense. It'll be that uh, type of thing. And so uh, I think that's a great one. I think Eagles fans are really like, if you had to choose Three players who Eagles fans are like, we really need this player to be really good this year. N'Kobe Dean uh, would be on that list. So I, I think that's a great one. All right. I'll go with my first one here. Jordan Davis looks like a different man in oh, year yeah. two. You're ready for this one, right? There's going to be buzz about him dropping some weight. His conditioning, he already talked about his conditioning a little bit in the spring, uh, did not play a lot of snaps last year. If you watch the Super Bowl, he was not, you know, going 100% there late in that game. He was he was certainly gassed. There were reps in that game where I thought, man, this is a, a big man who's supposed to be able to move, and he's not moving right now. Uh, and so I think there's going to be a pretty steady Jordan Davis hype train you and I disagree on what we saw from Jordan. So I think there's two arguments here. Okay. I think one is the one you've made that I think Jordan Davis's rookie season, I think you said he had elite stretches of run defense, which I mostly disagree with. The other one is that Jordan Davis could be really good in year two, which that one I actually agree with. Like, I'm not saying Jordan Davis stinks. Jordan Davis is a bust. I just didn't see what you saw from him uh, there in year one, but I, I think he's going to get a lot of buzz here in the summer in training camp. And I said it, I think going back to right after the Super Bowl, that the story of this season in many ways is going to be the year two players and the rookies, how much those guys can contribute and make up for the players that the Eagles lost in free agency. And I think Jordan Davis is kind of on that short list there of players you need to step up and, uh, and play a bigger role than they did last year. The, uh, the Jordan Davis hype and expectation and reality is just like overall a very challenging thing, right? Like I think that he's the sort of player who when he does his job very well, it doesn't show up in the box score and it, and it can be difficult to see on tape. And when he doesn't do his job very well, it can not have like a huge impact on the actual play because you have like a edge rusher who makes a great play. Josh Sweat makes a great play. Nakobe makes a great play and it solves the problem. And like, it's like, it's a, it's a in the muck 
dirty, you know, elbow grease sort of a job. And so it's a hard like like job to get a thumb on the pulse of. I was looking, I was doing like contract stuff and looking at like younger players and when they get extensions and everything a few months ago. We actually talked about this on Extra Point Taken. No, I talked about this with Steven on the NFL show. Sorry, just too many pods. Uh, but when you look at star defensive tackles, young, highly drafted defensive tackles, you typically don't see those guys really break out in terms of production and in terms of recognition, Pro Bowls and All Pros, until year three, right? Like Jeffrey Simmons was year three. Vita Vea was year three. Like uh, Dexter Lawrence was year four. Deron Payne was year five, kind of. You know what I'm saying? Uh, these early drafted DTs, it tends to take a little bit at this position. So I don't walk into year two for Jordan Davis with like huge expectations for like dominant performance. And I think there's certainly a lot of snaps for him to get, but the team also drafted Jalen Carter. And I think that if the Eagles end up in a spot where it's third and five, third and six, they're going to put their two best defensive tackles on the field in terms of a pass rush. They're probably going to go Fletcher and Jalen Carter just certainly to start the season. Right. So I don't think that like Davis is going to go out there and like earn a huge number of snaps, like a crazy number of snaps. Nor do I think he's going to show up on first and 10 and it's a play action pass. And he's going to suddenly show a pass rush that like he didn't have last season and, 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 and dominate accordingly in terms of like stuffing the staff sheet, the stuffing the stat sheet with like TFLs and sacks and pressures that he wasn't doing previously. So I don't have a huge expectation for him in year two in terms of that sort of performance, that quantitative performance. With that said, yeah, if Davis can come in a little bit leaner. I don't think he has to be too much lighter, but a little bit leaner. Show improved pad level and improved conditioning. I I think you're going to get the same like impact snaps that I have the opinion he he delivered last year. Instead of getting them on like you know 10 of downs, you're going to start getting them on 20 percent of downs, and that's going to to foretell the explosion that'll come in 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 upcoming seasons when you typically see some of these nose tackles uh, peak. And so to me, like I think Davis is just going to keep the train chugging as he did last year. I was quite happy with his play last year. Um. But if you're seeing stuff like, okay, he's in better NFL shape, he's in better NFL conditioning, then that just is a great sign for what I expect to be a, a long and successful career as a nose tackle for the Eagles. How many times, I was, I was looking this up earlier today, how many pass rush snaps do you think he had on third down last year? I'll tell you how many, well, no, I don't. Do I have that number? Well, how many? I can tell you how many he had overall, uh, if that helps. He had 107 like one- pass rush snaps last year. Yeah, I thought he had like 130. Is this is this like on third and long or just on all third downs? All third downs. Yeah, he had 123 if we include uh, playoffs, 123 okay. pass rush uh, snaps. And in those 123 pass rush snaps, I mean, I would say like, port- like tw- I was going to say like 25, 30 of them came on third down. Five. <laughs> so that speaks to your point, right? I don't, Jordan Davis isn't going to be on the field on third right. uh, yeah, two minute like, drill. Right. I was thinking yeah. like, maybe he's on the field for some third and ones, third and twos. And like, then they yeah. go, they go play action. And it's technically a pass. That's true. Now, but yeah. When you have Javon Hargrave and when you have Fletcher Cox and when you have even Milton Williams, who like Milton came along so nicely by the end of last season, what you put in Davis on the field for it. You don't need to, especially with, like you said, like some of the conditioning concerns, you just want to keep his legs when you actually need them. Yeah, Fletcher Cox uh, is not giving up third down snaps. I think he would, you know, happily give up probably some first and second downs. Third down, he's going to want to be on the field. Jalen Carter, you're putting a lot on his plate for him to be a a pass rusher uh, for you. Milton Williams, I think we're both high on that he could be a guy who really helps you uh, on third down. And then, you know, you, you have quite a few 
uh, edge rushers there that may, you know, Brandon Graham, we've seen it before, can slide uh, inside there. On Jordan, so I, I think the, the conversation that you just brought up about what are fair expectations for Jordan Davis is a good one. So uh, a couple numbers I brought up. Last year, the first eight weeks of the season when Jordan Davis was on the field, the Eagles were 24th against the run in DVOA. Uh, after that, when Linville Joseph kind of took over for him, they were 17th. Uh, if you look at success rate, they were on first and second down only, they were at about 63% uh, with Jordan Davis and 62% without him. So it was um, pretty much the exact same run defense, whether it was Jordan Davis on the field or not. And again, that was only early down. So I'm with you. I I don't want to. I need those numbers to be different this year, unless right. the Eagles' backups are just amazing. I need it to be Jordan Davis is out there, and he's really again, even if he's not having the tackles or the tackles for loss, he is muddying stuff up. He is taking on bodies. He's making. I want to. I want to read quotes about uh, line from linebackers and defensive ends. Say, man, he is just making our life so much easier. The big fella in the middle. I want to see film clips where he is just not being moved at the point of attack. Those are the kind of things you want to see. And then I think your point is fair. I think after year three, if we're saying, you know what. He still has shown no ability to rush the passer, but he's a good early down run defender. Then you probably are going to chalk it up to, all right, you know, if you knew that, you wouldn't have taken him where you took him unless he's like a top five uh, run defender in the NFL, but he's still a starting caliber player. I, I don't think uh, I'm with you that I'm not expecting him to have like five sacks this year. I mean, that to me, well, uh, over under for Jordan Davis sacks, I would put it like two and a half this year. Yeah. Let's see. So like Deron Payne, who I think is a good proxy, right? Played 16 games in his first year for Washington. He had five sacks in that first season, which everybody was like, whoa. And then his second season, he had two. Third season, he had three. Fourth season, he had four and a half. And then last year, 2022, his fifth year option, fifth year of his, his career, he had 11 and a half sacks, right? And that was, that was his first Pro Bowl appearance. Now, I think that Davis can be a higher impact player than, than Payne was. Dexter Lawrence, I think, starts to serve as a, as a better proxy here. And Lawrence was 2.5 sacks in year one, four in year two, 2.5 in year three, and then 7.5 in year four. But Lawrence, Lawrence's pressure numbers from nose, yeah. like legit Huge. nose tackle alignments, were like legitimately everybody astonishing. everybody else in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. right. Uh, Vita Vea, another one that you can look for. And, and you see like three sacks in year one, 2.5, 2.0. And then 4.0, and then last year 6.5, but then he started to like actually deliver double-digit quarterback hits. He delivered double-digit, or he delivered like five, six-plus TFLs. That's all like in year three, year four, year five sort of stuff. So yeah, to me, like it's just not going to be a stat sheet year. I think those are good comps. Dexter Lawrence, even Vita Vea, when he wasn't putting up big pass rush numbers, you watched him and you noticed him. He was wrecking stuff. He was a monster. He was like the most powerful yeah. guy in the NFL. So those are the kind of steps uh, you want to see. With Davis, and to his credit, by all accounts, like he he's putting in the work. He acknowledges what he needs to do, all those things. So I think he's going to be an exciting player to watch. All right, let's take a quick break and then we will get to your second storyline. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was... A kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier, thanks to the Hotels.com app. 
Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. All right. We are back on the Ringers Philly Special Shield Kapadia with Benny Souls. Ben, what do you have for number two storyline or headline we are going to see from Eagles training camp in the months ahead? In the month ahead, not months. Yeah. Eagles offensive stars, quote, excited, end quote, about Brian Johnson's take on offense, right? Gotta Ooh, be. Gotta get on. a little bit of, gotta get some Brian Johnson hype in there, right? I think, like, it's dumb to say, you know, people aren't talking enough about the fact that the Eagles lost both their coordinators because it's like one of the only things to talk about. Like the Eagles lost safeties and coordinators. So like everybody like, like you know, national perspectives and, and analysis generally touches on the fact that the Eagles lost Jonathan Gannon and they lost Shane Steichen. Now, typically when you talk about the Eagles losing DC Jonathan Gannon, everybody who is doing the analysis kind of a little tongue in cheek goes like, but... Oh, how sad are they? <laughs> Super Bowl, blah, 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 which this pod absolutely endorses. That's a great take. Uh, and I'm, I'm excited for what Sean Desai is going to do defensively. And then offensively, they say, and, but Shane Steichen was a huge loss. They, they, that was tough losing Shane. They really liked Shane. Really good coach. But they love Brian Johnson. And they're really excited about Brian Johnson. They bring a ton of new stuff. And they're not a ton of new stuff. They say bring a good perspective. And he's, he's a young guy. And everybody likes him, so on and so forth. And I hear that. And, and like... Tim McManus wrote a wonderful piece for ESPN about how long Brian Johnson has been connected to and has known the Hurts family and he's known Jalen growing up. And I thought that that was, a, that was a good insight into like the connections that Johnson is going to bring and his attachment to Hurts, which I think is great. But when you get down to brass tacks, this is Brian Johnson's first NFL job, right? Like his first coaching job was at Utah. He was a quarterback's coach and he OC'd and quarterback's coach to several different schools, Mississippi State and Houston and Florida and like did good work at the college level. Here he is at the NFL level. He's a quarterback's coach for the last couple of years, and now he's going to be the OC. He doesn't have a ton of experience calling plays. Uh, we know that he dabbled with it and took over for it at times intermittently with Dan Mullen when he was uh, with him at Florida. But it was like a call play by committee. It wasn't like he was like the only guy in the headset running things, which he could very well you know, install a call play by committee in Philadelphia, and, and that would be all well and good. But we don't have a ton of experience with him calling plays. And as I've talked about on the show before, the thing that Shane Steichen did just oh so delightfully well, especially when when you when you reflect on Shane Steichen's tenure up against Nick Sirianni calling the plays when he started, was that Shane was just so good scripting out plays and then adjusting on the fly in game. Shane was unbelievable on a Sunday from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. Just in terms of how quickly he figured out where the defense was weak, 
how quickly he got the offense to that spot and how effectively he hammered it. It sounds simple, but that doesn't mean it's easy. If it were easy, a lot of coordinators would do it. Very few do. And it's because it's actually really, really hard to just be like, oh, this is what the defense isn't going to like today. Oh, this is how I get to these spots offensively. Boom, bang. Quick talk on the sideline. We've got it done. It's actually really challenging. And if Johnson doesn't have that, which it's fair to assume he doesn't because it's a rare thing, then this beautiful Eagles offense, oh, it's so simple uh, and, and, and so versatile, right? Just RPOs and, and, and spread stuff. And it's the A.J. Brown game. Now it's the Devontae Smith game. Now it's the Dallas Goddard game. Now it's the Miles Sanders game. That becomes a lot more difficult to pull, to pull off. And accordingly, uh, I have a lot of visibility on like Brian Johnson entering the season. But you don't learn any of this stuff in training camp. You don't. You don't, you don't, you don't get any of this in preseason games. No chance. You don't get any of insight into this process. And so accordingly, what do we do in the preseason? We go up to A.J. Brown. We go up to Devontae Smith. We go up to Dallas Goddard. We say, what's it like working with Brian? How's Brian been? And they go, oh, he's doing great stuff. And I'm really excited. And the meetings are great. He's a nice young guy. He's fun. It's cool offense. And it's going to be great. And then we write, everybody's excited about the Eagles office with Brian Johnson. 32 of 32 teams are excited about their offensive coordinator and the stuff that he's doing in the meeting rooms, I would say. Um, but with, with a guy who has this much visibility on him as Brian Johnson, you're going to get that, that article. You're going to get that look. And I think that like, there's a lot of reasons to be excited about him. I think he's a cool dude, and I've enjoyed what I've read about him. But I'm, I'm zeroed in on week one, and I'm, I'm interested to see what he's like when he actually gets on the headset. Yeah, there could be some issues with the you know, mechanics of it, uh, especially early in the season. You hope you work that stuff out. Uh, during the preseason and during practices. I don't disagree with what you said about Steichen, but I do feel like the like the legend of Shane Steichen has grown a little bit too much for my liking. Like, I still think Nick Sirianni, this was like his offense. I, by all accounts, he's a very hands-on coach, uh, specifically with the offense in the meeting rooms, in the building, even if he's not calling plays on Sunday. I'm just like, uh, since when did like Shane Steichen become, become, you know, Sean Payne or Andy Reid? Like he had the most talented offense uh, in the NFL. Uh, he did a good job. I'm not saying he didn't do a good job, but he did have the most talented offense in the NFL. He was working for an offensive minded head coach. He had every player on offense healthy and he did a, he did a good job. They scored a lot of points. They had one of the best offenses uh, in franchise history. I'm just like, if it gets to the point where we're in week seven going out, oh, you know, and you're ripping me, oh, Sheila, you were saying, Steichen had nothing to do with it. Well, look at this. Their offense isn't nearly as good. I will take my medicine then. I think they're going to be fine with Brian Johnson calling the planes. It's still uh, yeah. a team. Jeff Stoutland is, archi- is the architect of the entire run game and the offensive line. That's like, that's such a luxury for an offense. They don't have to worry about that at all. You're essentially going to be a play caller and then a partial passing game coordinator, but even coordinating the passing game, like Nick Sirianni has a big role in that. They have other coaches on staff who have been there who play a big role in that. So uh, play this back in week seven when the Eagles offense is struggling and everyone's mad at Brian Johnson, but I think they're going to be okay. I, in our, in our long month apart, Shield, I did not miss... <laughs> The I'm going to throw water on the fire that I myself was largely responsible for creating last season. Just the, the, the nobody, it's not even fence sitting. Nobody plays both sides well as Shio Kapadia does. He's the little finger of the NFL podcasting world. He's oh, always coming out I, on top. Chaos is a ladder. No, no, no. I, little, I don't think I was over the fair. I don't think I was over the top. I don't think I was ever over the top in my praise for Shane Steichen. Listeners can let me know uh, if I was. I no, think I, I mean, I, I, I certainly, out, I probably was further along on it than, than, yeah. than you ever were. And that's totally fair. It's just that I, I, 
at this point, like I feel myself while I'm saying something. Like we've done enough of these pods, X point take where I'm like, as I'm getting excited, I'm like, shoot, I'm too excited. Shield's gonna respond with, you know, Ben, you're probably right, but you should just dial it down a notch. Just always dialing me down a notch. Just just taking the wind out of my sails. Well, well, that is true. That is one of my defining characteristics. My wife says I don't get excited about anything. She'll come home, tell me about something that she thinks I'm going to be over, over the moon about, and I will offer a one-word response or just a look, and she'll be it's like, I'm not, not telling you anything it's not, anymore. It's not, it's not fully wet blanket. It's just slightly damp blanket. Just a little yeah. bit damper of a blanket than I was hoping for. That's true. Yeah, I don't really care about that much, and I don't get excited about that. <laughs> yeah. much. I think if I had to, de- if yeah. I had to define, <laughs> I think like oh. I care about my kids. I do care about my job, but I do understand it's just a job. <laughs> I like to, you know, I w- I work hard at it, but I'm like, all right, that doesn't necessarily uh, define me. You know, like there are other like you know global issues that I care about, but generally the day to day stuff, I'm like, eh, you know, take it or leave it. I don't really love it one way or another. So I, th- I think your assessment there. Chill, is fair. I missed you, buddy. I missed the show. Man. It's a good time. <laughs> now you reminded me with yours of one that I had in my head that I forgot to write down as I was preparing for this pod this morning. So I'm just going to oh, pivot. Now, and now Old Man Shield comes out. We're getting all yeah. the best iterations of Shield. Well, that's the other thing. When you were saying, you were bringing that up about the Steichen thing, I'm like, I can't really remember what I said about Steichen because <laughs> 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 I don't remember anything, but I don't remember being that excited. But here's one, here's one for you off the Brian Johnson one. Desai brings, quote, aggressive approach to Eagles defense. Oh. Players aggressive. say and versatile yeah. too, versatile for sure. <laughs> but I think because because here's the thing: last year the players had nothing but nice things to say about Jonathan Gannon, but Jonathan Gannon was their defensive coordinator. The defensive the, the team was setting a franchise record uh, for sacks. The defense was playing at a very high level, beating up on a lot of bad quarterbacks, but still playing at a very high level. And so there was nothing to complain about. But I do think the further we get removed. From the Gannon uh, era, I think the more people in that building are like, all right, that guy, you know, that guy wasn't that great. Maybe, maybe that guy conned us a little bit. Uh, we should have listened to Sheila and Ben, who never wavered, I will say, during the never. first season of Philly Special uh, last season. By the way, not to get sidetracked here, but as I was doing my team-by-team thing, Benjamin, I mean, is Gannon going to be one and done in Arizona? Have you looked at this roster? Dude, it's so bad. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my gosh! I did, I'm doing like my uh, yeah. Cliff says uh, me, you, and Cliff didn't didn't waver. That's Cliff, of course. You're included in that. Cliff Cliff uh, is obviously our John yeah. Gannon correspondent for the season. I'm not yeah. giving up on that. Every single post game show, I want a little Arizona Cardinals check in from yeah. Cliff. Yeah, Cliff. I don't I don't know uh, when Kyler Murray is going to be back. But as I was doing my projected records, which I'm still fine tuning, I had the Cardinals down for two or three wins this season. Looking at that roster. Two or three. I don't think Kyle yeah. Murray comes back this season. Remember, he got hurt. Yeah, in like November? yeah. I think they might. I think they're the worst yeah. team in the NFL, which yeah, could they be gonna good be for done them it for that get... number one pick. They, yeah. they might. They might be in that uh, Caleb uh, Drake May. You know. Yeah, right there. I think so. But if they do that, are they going to say, "All right, we just got this generational quarterback prospect. We now have one year of information with Jonathan Gannon. He's the guy to pair with this quarterback." Nah, again, he's gonna he's gonna be the secondary's coach for the Lions next season. That's where he's gonna. <laughs> there is no there is no are we gonna pair Gannon with any one of these guys? He's 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 out of there. Okay, you're he's gonna gone. have a good time, Cliff, with your with your. I, uh, I can't wait. Gannon and Ben owes me a watch too. By the way, I didn't forget about that. I didn't forget I about do? that. He does. No, nah, don't forget about don't forget about that tweet. Remember back like when Embiid won MVP or something like that. 
You, I tweeted, I said, I wish I had friends like this when James Harden gifted Embiid one of the most expensive watches I've ever seen in my life. And you're like, I'll get you a watch. And I was like, what's, <laughs> I'm like, what's he going to say on there? You tweeted, what's he going to I mean, it's out there. Like, unless I said Gannon to- watch. Yes. I said, Cliff, I'll buy you an engraved Rolex, which to clarify, anytime I say I'll buy you an engraved Rolex, what I really mean is I'm tweeting for fun. That's oh, what I man. meant right there when I said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um. Anyways. All I do, all I know is I expect a watch from Benny Souls. Also, guys, we got a voicemail later on too, so uh, be be ready for that as well. Yeah. Okay. I will we'll say the the, uh, on Vandal Sportsbook, the Arizona Cardinals uh, over under four and a half wins is the current expectation. I'm trying to find. I think that's the, the lowest uh, in the NFL. Yeah, it is the lowest in the NFL. They did have odds up for like worst regular season record, best regular season record. I know how to find them on my phone. I don't know how to find them uh last winless team here we go last winless team last the Cardinals are the favorite team. at plus 480 next closest are like the rams like plus 900 texans at plus 900 worst regular season record the cardinals are the favorite at plus 250 next closest is the buccaneers at plus 950 so Sportsbook <laughs> is very confident that the worst team in the nfl is the arizona Cardinals. plus 250 and the next is plus 950 did yes, i hear that so- correctly Yes. Oh my goodness. Which implied odds of plus 250 is going to be like 28%. They're saying 28% chance the Cardinals are the worst team in the league. 72% chance for the field. That's crazy. That's uh, it's so low. It's all yeah. That's not even worth it because there will be a team that loses its starting quarterback that'll probably give them a run uh, for their money. But yeah, that team stinks. So anyway, I think Eagles fans are. I mean, I think Eagles players are going to talk about the change to decide what is he doing differently. Uh, and I think that the key word there will be aggressive, even if we get to the season and it you know some of the stuff might not be that different. I, I've said before the numbers are not going to be as good for this Eagles defense this year, and a lot of that has to do with strength of opponent. A lot of that has to do with injury luck, with turnover luck, with the fact that they sacked uh, opponents on 11% of their dropbacks last year, which is the most by any team in the last 20 years in the NFL. Like that stuff is all going to be hard to duplicate. At the same time, when we have that stretch in the middle of the season, when they face the the great quarterbacks, I think you're going to see at least one or two game plans where you say, all right, this is the difference between Gannon and Desai. Whether it works or not, it's going to be, hey, they tried something, they were creative, right. they didn't just do what they always do. And that's really how I'm going to judge Desai based on that stretch, that hard stretch they have there uh, in the middle of the season. I think that's going to tell us a lot about what to expect in the playoffs. All right. No, I agree. I think that you, the the aggressiveness is going to be highlighted because it just so na- nicely and naturally plays off of the last game we remember from Gannon, last Eagles defensive game we saw, which is just a reminder of how passive that defense was. I also think that, that defensive coordinators just say aggressive because they want to say aggressive. That's why I brought up versatile right away is because they always say yeah. versatile. Uh, I don't think structurally there's going to be a ton of differences. I don't think coverage-wise there's going to be a ton of differences. It's just how much do you turn those little dials when you turn them, right? It's like yeah. you can walk out with the same structure and the same coverages, but actually call more aggressive defenses and coach coach players with more aggressive techniques. And that's what I'll be curious to see uh, is, is, is like, all right, like, you know, when there's the training camp reports of like, all right, they're playing quarters, like, all right, they're playing, they have like a five man front. It's like, yeah, like they're going to have all the same stuff that they did. What, when they get into an actual game script, how do they decide they want to be? What's their character? What's their identity? So again, it's, it's going to be hard because it's a week one thing. Yeah, against bad teams, they really, I mean, the, the way they played last year, 
is mostly fine. Don't give up explosive plays. Don't make it easy for the opponent. Your pass rush is mostly going to be better than their offensive line. The quarterback's not good. Your offense is going to score points. You can win a lot of games that way. Uh, it gets to when you're playing good quarterbacks. Uh, that's when you, you find out what the defensive coordinator has. We saw what Gannon had the last two years. It was not pretty. We'll see what Desai has this year. All right. Hit me with your third one, Benjamin. Uh. Uh, Kenneth Gainwell has chance to lead Eagles running back committee. This Ooh. is my. This is the thing where, like, so you spend your your vacation, your time off, going through team and team and doing like record projections and roster analysis. I make a lot of best ball and season long fantasy teams, <laughs> which is just basically gambling on football in a different format. And one of the things in the fantasy community right now that I really cannot get my head around is is there's a belief that like deandre swift is is the most likely back in the eagles backfield to be like the lion's share guy early like you oh know, really like, i feel like i've seen a lot of gainwell buzz that like people think oh no don't be surprised if it's gainwell no so that, that's what i'm saying like in the fantasy okay. community okay. I, there's a lot of like like you know obviously there's swift and there's there's penny and there's gainwell it's tough not to imagine swift you know not coming in and being the leading guy at first but maybe it'll be this and whatever whatever but in generally it's like it like all oh, like you know there's there's the potential for swift to go off there's targets for him to gather there's you know the draft capital so on and so forth and then right when you start to get into like i think more of like the insidery community and the analyst community you see a lot more kenny gainwell conversation and i really tend to fall on the on the on the the second side of things there with gainwell uh the Eagles started using Gainwell a little bit more over the course of last season as the season wound down. Like, obviously, they, you know, Miles Sanders was, like, the lead back for them, and Miles Sanders was probably the most versatile back for them. Sanders went on to sign, sign a good contract that he, that he earned with the quality of his play. But when you look at, like, snap counts, right, uh, Gainwell had four games last season in which he took at least 40% of the snap counts. All of them came in week 15 or later, right? And it wasn't like Sanders was hurt. It wasn't like Boston Scott was hurt. It was just... They were getting the ball to Gainwell more. The most snaps that he took uh, in, in a game last year was 51%, which was week 22, baby, which was the Super Bowl. Uh, in both the conference championship game and in the Super Bowl, he outsnapped Miles Sanders. In the divisional round, he almost outsnapped Miles Sanders. Like down the stretch in the playoffs, Super Bowl, game on the line. Gainwell was his guy. Now, if memory serves, Sanders like got a little bit banged up in one of those games. Like he missed like a drive, and he was getting treatment on the sidelines. So, like yeah, maybe I, he I, was like. And I would say yeah, that that's one. I think there are two other factors with those numbers because I remember looking this up during the Super Bowl. One is that uh, the two playoff games were blowouts, and so I think Gainwell uh, played more. I think if you look at like the first half of those games, I could be wrong. That Sanders was definitely out snapping Gainwell. But the other one is, which still relates to this year, is that Sanders didn't play on third down. I mean, passing situations, two minutes. Sanders, they did not trust him. They did not want him out there as a receiver. They wanted Gainwell out there. And I think that was probably a factor uh, in the Super Bowl for sure, where you know, you, you, you're know you probably in more passing situations where he needs to be out there. So I'm not saying what you're saying. I, I think obviously, yeah, absolutely. Their faith in Gainwell, they trusted him more uh, right. as the season went on. But I do think those other factors uh, were at play as well. Yeah, so, so right. That's why like, I brought up the numbers in terms of like, the, the end of last season before the playoffs, where he, he hit 40% of the snaps in both Week 15 and Week 16, okay. which those were the games where, uh, or that was the Bears game where Hurts got hurt, and then it was Week 16, the game with Minshew, where you probably expect Minshew to toss the ball to the back a little bit more, so that's probably a little bit of the, of the process. But still, there were 
games late in the season where Gainwell was out snapping Sanders before the injuries, right? And even when you bring up like the Chiefs game, like, oh, it's a game script thing. Listen, like the it's it's one thing to say we like Gainwell on third down more than we like Miles Sanders. It's another thing to say in the Super Bowl, we're gonna let this second year fifth fourth round pick out snap our guy who's gonna go sign like like a four-year 26 million dollar deal like sanders is like a legitimate back in the nfl right like that's a huge vote of confidence to me that vote of confidence in gainwell independent of the context around like sanders injury and sanders role speaks louder than trading a fourth round pick two years from now for deandre swift giving rashad penny a million dollars that still like indicates that they feel like they have roles they need to fill and they want to go by committee and these guys both have potential but when i go and I, i look for like resounding votes of confidence that the Eagles have placed in their running backs over the last few months. The loudest one I find is the way that they used Gainwell in February. Like to me, that's the most convincing one. And so I think that they trust Kenny enough to give him a shot to, to win this job, this one a job over Swift and over Penny. I, if all three of them are healthy, I'm not sure Gainwell is better than Swift and better than Penny. But Gable, I just trust to be healthy and around more than I trust DeAndre Swift and I trust to be Rashad Penny. Again, like I, when they signed Rashad Penny, like I, I said right away, if Penny's healthy, he's going to be the best runner that the Eagles have. And he might be the, the 1A accordingly. I just don't know for how many weeks that's going to be the case. Um, and during training camp, when all of them are healthy, I think you'll see positive Swift signs and positive Penny signs, or whatever. But I also think you'll see Gainwell get first team snaps. And I think you'll see Gainwell catch balls out of the backfield and make guys miss and, and talk about fighting for that job and talk about the fact that he thinks he's earned that job. And I think you're to see headlines accordingly saying like, hey, like we cannot forget about the incumbent here who's got as good of a shot as the new guys to become the new lead back and become the first and 10 back. And I think he could handle it. I think it's got to be by committee. I don't think he's got a sort of body or sort of play style that allows for like 20 plus touches consistently. But I do think that he can be the guy who first and 10, first snap of the game, he's the guy in the backfield. And I think he would he would deserve it. He, he would earn it. He's improved his play pretty dramatically, over, over certainly over his sophomore season. So I'm, uh, I'm interested and excited for the Kenny Gainwell hype train. That's where my running back chips are currently tentatively placed. And I will update you as, uh, as the season goes on. So given all the information we have right now, which running back has the most carries for the Eagles in 2023? Gainwell. Okay, I'm going the, DeAndre Swift. The running back with the most carries for the Eagles in the month of September will be Rashad Penny. The running back with the most <laughs> carries for the Eagles by January will be the running back who played 16 games. And I think that that's going to be Kenny. You know, yeah, Penny, I was thinking they really need to have some plan to just have Penny ready for the playoffs. I mean, and just unleash yeah. fresh Rashad Penny, like just give him maybe like two carries a game, have him practice, see if he can handle that. And then all of a sudden, wild card round, divisional round, like Rashad Penny is getting 15 carries and just is an absolute monster and this fresher was, uh... than everyone else. This was how the Packers started using A.J. Dillon a couple of years ago, where like every game, A.J. Dillon was like seven carries, eight carries. And then they had that one like cold game against the Titans, like snow game in December. And all of a sudden they were like, A.J. Dillon, 20 carries. And it was like, ah, I see what you're doing there. I like it. I like it. So we're on the same page, you know, our first uh, part of the official part of the 2023 NFL season. And my third headline go is also about the running backs. I think it's going to be DeAndre Swift turning heads at Eagles training camp. Now, let me explain what that means. As a young buck reporter, I remember going out to these non-contact drills and there would be a shifty, fast running back. And you're like, 
that guy's awesome. Oh my gosh, who is this guy? He's going to lead the NFL in rushing. I feel like DeAndre Swift is precisely that type of back who in these practices in July and August where you're not getting tackled is just going to look fantastic and everyone's going to be really excited about him. I still think and I don't I wouldn't say I feel like very strongly about this where I'm like, you know, so like you're nuts. I understand the Gainwell stuff. I still think if I had to guess, DeAndre Swift is going to lead the team uh, in rushing attempts this year. Now, they have a lot of rushing attempts to go around. Last year, their backs had, let me see, let me do just regular season, had 368 carries. Now, they were like killing a lot of teams. And so, you know, it's actually, if you look at like when games were close, the Eagles actually ranked sixth. Uh, in terms of how much they passed the ball on early downs. But games got out of hand so often last year that they were just running the football in the second half. So I don't think they're going to have quite as many carries to go around, but I, I do think it, you know there's going to be plenty there for Gainwell, uh, DeAndre Swift, and possibly Rashad Penny. Gainwell only had 53 carries in the regular season last year. But if you look at the last two years, among running backs with at least 100 carries, and you just look at success rate, Gainwell's like one of the most efficient running backs in the entire NFL. And mm -hmm. what I think is funny, and you can correct me because you're more of the draft, Nick, I thought Gainwell coming out of college, it was sort of like, this is going to be like a big, I remember the pass catching was a big thing, but in my head, I didn't watch film on Gainwell coming out of college. I thought he was going to be like this explosive big play back. And that's actually not what he's been. He has one run of 20 plus yards in two years, that's on 155 carries. He's actually been a very efficient, like red zone, short yardage, like get what's right. there, move the chains type running back. Am I misremembering? Is this who he was supposed to be or is this different than what we thought he was going to be? So the expectation was that he was going to be scat backy, right? Yeah. And the problem, like, so like catch out of the backfield quick, elusive, make people miss. And the problem is that people, I think oftentimes hear that and then go like, oh, and he's going to be like a, a like an explosive play threat and he's going to be yeah. a breakaway threat. And he ran four fours, but he just does not have a very long stride, right? And so it's very hard for him to just eat grass. It's, it's very difficult for him to like actually get into the third level and go, right? We talk about like Rashad Penny is a much more substantial breakout threat than uh than gainwell is in terms of big big runs and he had a, a slower 40 than gainwell but the 40 doesn't really translate that well you have to actually like, watch and so i like gainwell it fits into that scat back mold but these guys tend to be like dime a dozen -y, where it's like all right you can catch the ball and you can make a guy miss and whatever but he's not really gonna like actually like, hit home runs for you. you need a guy who's bigger and still carries speed and can accelerate in order to do that now when it comes to short yardage stuff this is always the thing that drives me crazy right the 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 exact opposite case of Gainwell is also on the Eagles roster, and it's Trey Sermon. And Trey Sermon was this like big back, and it was like Trey Sermon break the, the line of scrimmage and between the tackles. And it's like this guy doesn't like to make decisions. Like Trey just sits back there and is like, if there's not a huge alley for me, I don't know where I'm going. And so being efficient is usually all about like, do you make good decisions? Do you have good eyes? Right? Miles Sanders conversation. Miles Sanders was boom or bust. Why? Because Sanders like to sit back there and be like, what if I made seven guys miss? And that's not a good like, policy. It's not a good approach if you're just trying to pick up five yards. Gainwell is, is uh, decisive and he's willing to throw his body around. It's also why he's got better in pass protection. It's because he sees, sees color, goes to color, and will, will, will put his shoulder down and try to win contact. And like that's going to cost you if you're looking for 10, 15-yard runs, but it's not going to cost you when you're looking for three, four-yard runs. And, and in this Eagles offense, it's really easy to find those consistent runs if you're looking for them because the offensive line is so good and Stoutland's so good. And Hurts adds a threat in the running game. And so Gainwell is is right i definitely eddie steady because of like his mental game and like the decisions that he makes
other numbers on DeAndre Swift, just kind of what to expect. Uh, he's 21st in yards from scrimmage over the last three years, uh, 11th out of 42 backs in yards per carry. The advanced stats on DeAndre Swift are not good, flat out. I mean, he's 36th out of 42 backs in success rate. He's 32nd in first downs per rush. He's 39th in yards after contact per rush. Now, that's a little misleading. Like LaShawn McCoy never had big yards after contact per rush because he would just make uh, everyone miss. DeAndre Swift mm -hmm. is not LaShawn McCoy, but if you're talking about style of runner, um, he's more in that mold than someone who's going to, than like a Nick Chubb. DeAndre Swift is only 24 years old. So uh, I think it's going to be interesting. This is going to be like an interesting experiment. How much of the Eagles' run game is Jalen Hurts, is the offensive line? is the scheme. I mean, really, if you look at a lot of the backs that uh, fare well in a lot of these advanced stats, it's guys who are with running quarterbacks. Like it just makes a huge, huge difference in what kind of opportunities you get, what kind of space you get, what kind of holes you have to run through. And then the last thing, Ben, I wanted to ask about the running backs. Are we, do we, are we underrating Miles Sanders at all or no? Because I was... Like it, he's very tricky to rate because he's okay. an irritating player because of the pass protection issues and some of like the bad runs behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah. But he's a fine quality player. And like it's just very hard to talk about running backs, period, unless they're like sixth round picks making eight hundred thousand dollars and then it's nice <laughs> and easy, or they're like Christian McCaffrey and Nick Chubb. Those are the only yeah. easy backs to talk about. Everybody else is challenging right now. So yeah. like probably, but also understandably, because it's so hard to calibrate to like the second tier of running backs, let alone like the third tier of running backs, which is probably where Sanders is, which it's fine to be in that tier, but also means you're probably replaceable, but it's weird because Sanders actually got an extension while nobody else, did. you see where I'm at? Like it's tough. <laughs> yeah, it's it really last year was one of the most like running back friendly situations in recent NFL memory. I mean, other than running, you know, next to Lamar Jackson, uh, it, it, it was right there with any other. And so we watched film of Miles Sanders all year. And I don't think we ever, we, like there were a couple times we came on the podcast and we're like, ooh, you know, he was very, just a good Miles game. Like he was very decisive, but we were never out here like, oh, Miles Sanders is one it, of the It was best. always minute 52 too. Yeah. It was like anything we missed. <laughs> I was like, Miles Sanders is about right. It's Miles Sanders. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was never, oh, Miles Sanders is like one of the best, you know, five to eight backs in the NFL. And then you look at the numbers, Fourth in success rate. He was fifth in rushing yards last year. Players ahead of him. Josh Jacobs, Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, Saquon Barkley. Guys who get talked about in a totally different vein than Miles Sanders. He was fourth in runs over 10 yards. He had more runs of 10 plus yards than Saquon Barkley last year. Benjamin, that, that surprised me when I looked it up. He had nine runs of 20 plus yards. That was fourth behind Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry, and Kenneth Walker. Uh, and so I'm like looking at all those, like, you know, yeah, I do think it's more the scheme and the system and hurts, but at the same time, like, uh, maybe it won't be as easy as I thought it would be to replicate the production he have, he, he had, even as you say, if he was a bit of an right. irritating player. You're forgetting, Sheil, that he was not invited to the star running back Zoom call, though. All right. Is that true? Peers. Yeah, because he got, he did yes. a good job. He got a good money, and then and that's why he wasn't invited, right? I mean, like he <laughs> could have been. Miles could have had an Eric Dickerson year. He signed a contract, and these guys didn't. He was not getting invited to the Zoom call. Um, but no, for those who 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 aren't following it, uh, the running backs are having a really tough time with not being paid uh, this summer, and so there was apparently like a Zoom call where they just like chatted about where they're at and potential uh, uh, options, uh, routes to go forward. And it was Christian McCaffrey, Najee Harris, J.K. Dobbins, which 
We see you, Najee Harris and J.K. Dobbins. Don't act like you're just like you're fitting in there. Come on. Nick Chubb, Derek Henry, Jonathan Taylor, Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, Aaron Jones, Tony Pollard, and Joe Mixon. Dalvin Cook was also invited, uh, and Austin Eckler. So Miles did not make the list of the select running backs in the Zoom call. So how good can he be, really? Mm, I'm happy to not be invited to any Zoom call. So I don't know if he's yeah. If you get it, if if you get good compensation Miles and aren't invited on a to beach Zoom somewhere calls, with winning. his twenty six yeah. million dollars over four years, that's nice. Chill it. Yeah, he's got Deuce uh, down there uh, in Carolina. He's going to be okay. All right. Uh, Cliff, why don't you hit us with the Zoom call, and then I'm going to finish with a couple uh, non-football it's things. It's called a voicemail, we'll Shield. You should know that. You what did I say? You said what did Zoom I say? call. Zoom call. Voicemail. Sorry. My sister's the only person who leaves me voicemails, and they're very long. They're when she has a break I love leaving voicemails. Really? You've never left me a voicemail. Cliff, you ever get a voicemail from Ben? You guys, you guys actually uh, pick up. No, it's the people who ghost me that I'm like, all right, I'm leaving you a voicemail. Oh voice no, I I'll rarely pick aggressive. up. I, ben, I did. Yeah, I ben never left never you a voicemail. But y'all ready for this? <laughs> yeah, let's go. Yo, what's going on, Cliff? It's your boy Donnie Delco back from Sea Isle City. I just drank 14 oh twisted teas at the OD. But uh, only question for you is, who do you think of the Eagles roster is going to look the best in the Kelly Green? That's besides our quarterback, our legend Jalen Hurts. Who do you think is going to rock it well? Thanks. Uh, good question. The first name, I can go first because there was a name that came to mind right away, and that was A.J. Brown. Uh, AJ Brown would probably look good in any uniform. He is a, he is like a get off the bus uh, first teamer. Actually, Eagles have a. We talked about this last year. Eagles have a great get off the bus roster right now. Maybe yep. the one of their best in franchise history. But I feel like AJ Brown in that uh, just the, the the muscles popping out. Uh, he's he's gonna look pretty good. See, I had the immediate opposite reaction. Okay, Devonte Smith. It was just the other, like, like, like Devonte was going was to look so good in the Kelly Green. Devonte has a clothing brand. I can't remember the name of it now, um, but he has like, uh, 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 he has, he, he like, when he was a rookie, he got with, with a clothing brand. And then I think he works with Dick's too and everything. But like Devonte, first, he always looks great in, in the pregame fits. And then secondly, like knows how to like slap an outfit together. So when it's like, all right, the Kelly Green now, like. Devontae is going to make sure, like, all right, get the armbands good. Maybe it's a visor game. It's going to be solid for Devontae. So he was, I, AJ and, and Devontae will both kill it. The Eagles wide receivers will always look good. Who do you got, Cliff? To me, it's got to be one of the big fellas, right? So, like, you got to give it to somebody in the trenches. It's either got to be a is Jason it? Kelsey is it? type. Because the Midnight Green is slimming, and I'm not sure that <laughs> Kelly Green will be. <laughs> I think I think it's got to be, like, a Kelsey type or, like, a Jalen Carter type. Like, somebody – or, or – Maybe not. This is not necessarily a big guy, but maybe like a Hassan Reddick type. Like I, I think flying Ooh, around in the Kelly Green, getting the, getting the crazy guys. sack. Yeah, yeah, like Josh Sweat, BG, yeah. like a dude like that. Like, wouldn't that the be Eagles, crazy? The Eagles' helmets are very conducive to edge rushers looking cool, just because of the way that the wings go back. Like when when your head is down, like in a four point stance, you look like a race car. Like it just looks sick. So Sweat and Reddick are both good choices, just because Eagles overall uniform aesthetic is good for edge rushers. I am interested to see a Jason Kelsey little beer belly in the third quarter in the Kelly green. <laughs> that'll be like, that'll be like a classic Mid-drift. Kelsey picture, right? Yeah. Like we get, get the rolled up under the pads. I'll, I'll enjoy that. That'll be good. Now that I'm thinking about it, Cliff, it should be a defensive player. Cause that is why everybody loves the Kelly green. It's because it takes you back to a time when this was one of the most ferocious defenses in NFL history with, with Reggie and Jerome and, 
uh, Clyde and Seth God, Mike and Golick. Eric Allen and yeah, Wes, yeah, Wes Hopkins. Mike. So uh, I do think it should be a D. I think Hassan Reddick might be the answer. I li- I liked that one. You know, someone was going to get after the quarterback who some of his rushes just look so cool. Uh, he's he's going to be inflicting yeah. pain on the opponent. Uh, I, I'm I'm changing my pick after discussing with Cliff to Hassan. <laughs> do we just have imagine. official? Do we have official leaks yet? Like, do have the no, Eagles released? No, like, so they trolled, much consternation. No. Yeah. They trolled today. They actually trolled the people today, and they put up like a meme of Bow Wow fake pressing a button, and then the admin was like, "Yeah, we're still not releasing what the Kelly Greens look like." So they're still no. trolling on the Kelly Greens. I'm. I, when do y'all think they're going to drop those? By the way, I don't know. I would like soon. <laughs> uh, yes, I see it now. I see. Eagle at Eagles tweeted yesterday, do you want a week of Kelly Green memes that don't reveal anything about Kelly Green are just going to piss you off? And it was a poll saying yes or no. I voted yes. <laughs> I am just, all I want to know is if they're going to do the Eagles logo on the arms, like on the shoulders, because so many of these like nice alternates that the league is putting out for a bunch of teams look great. And then they mess up the shoulders because they put like the modern stripes on them and it looks weird relative to the fact that they're throwback uniforms you got i it is critical that the eagles put the the old bird on on the arms right even though there's like half as much sleeve space as there used to be because back back in the day the sleeves were heading down to the elbow and they're not anymore you got to get that 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 white eagles logo on on the on the shoulders it's critical to me i i can't tell if cliff's feeling you or if he's like me and like Ben, what are you talking about? Like, save it for your <laughs> uniforms podcast uh, or something. But I know people love uniforms. So I listen, they, I'm sure they appreciated that. I can't get into what the sleeves look like. And I don't even know what uh, you were talking about there. But we'll see when the uniforms come out. All right, let's finish with this. You asked about my vacation. I had a nice vacation. Uh, went to Oregon to see my sister. Spent a few days in Hood River, Oregon, which fantastic place. Oh, classic. For- for a vacation, uh, longtime listeners will know my take is I like being outside, but I don't like the outdoor. So like you want to sit me near water, something like that. I'm good. I'm not going hiking. I know you're a big fisherman. I'm not fishing. I'm not take. camping. As bad my take. dad said, we didn't move to this country to sleep outside. That's the that's the <laughs> quote that I often uh, repeat there from my that's dad. That's a bar. I'll give him that one. That's a bar. <laughs> but I, fa- I think I found an outdoorsy activity that I liked. We did a little on Hood in Hood River. You know, when you have kids, you got to get out of your comfort zone. They want to do something. You got to do it, even if it might not be your first choice. I did a little kayaking and stand-up paddleboarding, which, you listen, not a lot of Indians do, doing that, I think, uh, uh, around, around these parts. I might have been the only I'm not going to lie. I can't imagine River. you doing either of those, though. Like, that would look no. super fun. I, I have video. I have video and a photo I'll, I'll send to you. Uh, I was about to say, uh, we need clip, to see this. The people need to see this. Uh, and uh, it was fun. It was very calming. I, I realized I like a river much more than an ocean. The calm of a river. It wasn't crowded. I'm just standing out there like I own the river on this uh, on this paddleboard. So uh, that was a lot of fun. I enjoyed doing that. So I have one outdoorsy activity that I actually like. So that was uh, that was one there. Kayaking you ever done those? is elite. Kayaking okay. is elite. Oh, you like elite? Great wow. take. Great take. Okay. River over ocean. Also a great take. Okay. Uh, now, where do you put a lake there? I haven't been around enough lakes. A lot of lakes around you, right? right. Yeah. So I'm in the state of Michigan. So I have to speak yeah. quietly now in case the Michiganders are sitting Uh-oh. around the corner and listening to me. Lakes are great. Like lakes are awesome. I think lakes, like, because I'm a big bass fisherman, lakes are probably one overall because that's where you're usually fishing. Okay. All lakes are good. 
the state of Michigan is like, dude, we have the best lakes here. And they're the same as all the other lakes. And it drives me <laughs> up the wall. This crazy amount of lake gatekeeping that happens in, the, in, the, in this area of the country. Uh, lakes are great. Rivers are great. Ocean is like, you just need such better and more expensive gear slash boats to like enjoy the ocean. You know what I'm saying? Like if it was a river. You get something that floats on a river and you're chilling. And that's, that's, it's way more accessible that way. The take of I like being outside, but I don't like the outdoors is the most ludicrous thing I've ever heard. Outdoors is the no. outside. That's not a real distinction. No, no, no it's not. And I told you the I don't like those outdoors there is activities two that like, yeah, Pat, the yeah. Patagonia type stuff. Like, no, listen, your clothes and all that are fine, but I'm not doing any of those uh, activities there. So, yeah, I like being outside. Outside fresh air is good. Good for mental health. But Cliff, you're with me, right? Yeah, like it's I feel like when you when yeah. you talk about like outside especially like when you live in a near city, like outside is way different. Cause like we say like, yeah. yo, we outside tonight, which means like we going somewhere, we're doing something, we're active. Like when you say outdoors, <laughs> right. I'm thinking boots on camping, yeah, woods, no. ticks, Canteens, leaves, trees, yeah. Yeah, tents, leaves, yeah. two things I'm that are equally 100%, dangerous. hundred <laughs> percent. Lice. Like I'm thinking, I'm thinking like yeah. all like the whole lice. Out- lice are in schools. <laughs> what are we talking about? You no, he's right. Work. No, no, he's right about that. Lice, lice and ticks. Like Actually, I'm thinking no, of like insects. Let- <laughs> yeah, like like when I think of outside, I'm thinking, oh, we about to hit the streets. We about to do something. Yeah. Like for instance, All I was just no. I was chilling Rooftop with a couple bar of our or something, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah I was, I was hanging out with a, yeah. yeah, I was hanging out with a couple of our uh, our co- our coworkers here at the Ringer last week. We went to Spider Fest. T Pain was there. He shut it down. He killed it. Diplo was there. We were outside. What is this? So, dude, I don't know anything about this. Drop. Wait, what? What are you talking about? Where was my invite? Oh, what do you, mean? you get I it. I live a work? short tree. I, I didn't get any invite. What was you this? Work? Some Spotify party with T-Pain? I'm sitting here doing nothing. <laughs> I have no social life. And I didn't get invited to this? Cliff, well, where well, was the invite for this? Well, well, welcome to Spotify. If you know if you work here, you literally get the free Spotify concert Every year, if you live in LA or New ben, York, Ben, you know what this is. I don't even it's, know what this is. It's only in LA and New York, Shield. <laughs> like you have I to go. Live to- literally, I can get, I could be in Manhattan in two hours right now. <laughs> All right, check your email, Shield. Yeah, check the say, work email, Spot- brother. Spotify was sent to me. I was I was tipped off by a few coworkers, and we had a blast over there. And we were outside. We weren't outdoors, if that makes sense. Okay. That's did what Stephane, I'm trying to get did, did Stefan tell you about uh, Stefan Anderson? Great producer. Yeah, shout out, shout out to Stefan. I feel like he knows everything going on at the company. I need he to. Does. I need to get on like a group chat with 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 him because he knows everything. That's Shield, going on. Shield, trying to sneak his way into the into the Ringer New York group chat despite the fact that he lives in Delaware. <laughs> Delaware, functionally <laughs> Delaware. Yeah, you do live pretty close to Delaware, though, Shield. But what what I'm what saying is just, Delaware County. It, still, the, that's uh, not too far. Just to get back on the critical point here, 99% of the creatures of which you are worried about, quote unquote, outside are within like 50 yards of you right now. Well, spiders, but, but there's all there, bugs, they're but all there's here. More, <laughs> they're but there's more of them though. There's more of them though when you go into That's wooded true. areas and stuff like because they yeah. survive off of like the oxygen, the trees, the leaves, like those habitats. That's where they live at. That's science. That's where they can live and That's eat science. at. science. In the cities, no, but in in the cities, like I, I've lived in Philly and New York and all those, you know, all those places in my life. The only the things you see are rats and pigeons and 
just nasty stuff that that are on the sidewalk. You don't really see the ticks and the lice and those harmful insects yeah. that can really, you know. I, you guys got to stop with the lice. Right. The lice are not right. living in the trees, man. All right. All right. Cliff's right. Cliff's on board. All right. So that was number one. Two, I was having this argument with friends. When it's hot outside and you leave your car and you're, you know, coming back in a few hours or whatever, do you do the little crack the window open a little bit because it cools down the car? Or do you think that's utter and complete nonsense? What do you got? I'm not going to tell you my stance till you answer. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yes. Wait, not really. absolutely do it. And it absolutely helps. Wait, you Cliff, said crack the window got? before before you start. Yeah, like yeah, like you you park your car somewhere, right. and before you get out of the car, you crack the windows a little bit so that when you come back to the car in a few hours, uh, you think the car is going to be cooler because you cracked the windows open. You know what? Car theft is up pretty high right now in a lot of these places on the East Coast. So therefore, I'm a guy where that window is going up fully, and then when I get in the car, the <laughs> AC is coming up full. <laughs> The AC is getting on full blast. Like, there's no way I'm cracking any windows. Like, that that AC is going to... I'll put the window down once I get in the car, blast the AC, let it rock for like two minutes, right? Let it get like nice and cold. And then you put the windows back up. But no, nah, I'm not... You're, I'm not the guy that'll crack a window. No, no, sir. See, my, my mom has done this for years. And I always go back to the car and I say... There's absolutely no difference in the heat and the temperature of this car oh than if we would have just kept the windows up. <laughs> However, I have reliable friends, shout out to listener uh, MC, who he was dropping some greenhouse effect uh, type knowledge saying it what? absolutely uh, helps. I don't know. You know, I don't know. Greenhouse I'm not effect? Any gre- greenhouse. But I, I get in there and I feel like there's no difference, but I feel like I might have to take the L on here because a lot of people are saying it does make an effect. Popular science article in 2018. One researcher tested this back in the 1980s. A study in pediatrics found that cracking the window five centimeters lowered the temperature in a car by about 28 degrees on a 98 degree 28 day. degrees? There's no way that is a lie. What's the Absolutely a lie. Eight degrees. What's the no, source on that? There's no way that that's real. I he said popular so here's science. There's, there's two things to me, which is there's the temperature for which I crack the window, but then there's the like the staleness of the air, okay. which to me like I I if I turn the AC on in a car, you know it's a bajillion degrees outside. I will be all windows down on the highway before I I put the AC on. I hate AC. Like I, I like I, a window. I, I like a yeah. driving with a window. I, 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 this goes back to our outdoors versus outside versus weird yeah. distinctions. That's more outdoors. Yeah, that's outdoors. Right. But I, the fresh air to me, like, like <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sensitive to dust and like AC in a house in a car tends to make me like not feel good and I feel dehydrated. I'm a huge fresh air guy, and so that window is always getting cracked down. Sometimes it's going too far down, and a fishing backpack gets stolen from my car because apparently somebody thought it was like a real backpack which was very upsetting um my my wife now is one of these people who like hears a story in like 2017 Mm. about like somebody left their car window Mm. cracked and their car was stolen and since then it's been like if you ever even lower a window at a red light we're both gonna die and it's like i don't think that's a proportionate (laughs) response um and so before i got married i would sometimes just forget to bring the windows up and I would just leave a car parked with the window fully down. And that was a bad habit. And I broke that habit and that's good, but I'm a big window down guy. All right. I'm going to, for the next week or so, I'm going to, when I park the car, crack the window open. 28 degrees is so outrageous. Yeah, I can't take chill. that. There's if you no way that's said, real. If you would have said like three to five degrees, I would have been like, all right, maybe there's no chance 28 degrees can be correct, but we're going to have some hot days here uh, in, in Philly, the end of this week. So I'm going to do that and test it out. All right. Last one. 
I'm so I switched up my coffee regimen a little bit. Okay. So I noticed that if I get like at least seven hours of sleep, I wake up and I feel very fresh. That that hasn't happened the last two nights. I've had a little trouble uh, sleeping, but if I get seven hours of sleep, I wake up feeling fresh, but I was still in this habit of every day I wake up and the first thing I do is make a cup of coffee. So here's what I'm trying to change to. Let's see if this works. If I get the the adequate sleep, I'm waiting till like, you know, 11, 12, one o'clock to have the coffee. I don't need to have the coffee right away. My sleep should energize me for the first uh, five, six hours of the day. Then I can have the coffee. It gives me the afternoon boost. Bang, I'm ready. Uh, and it doesn't affect my bedtime. You are both coffee drinkers. I believe Ben, I feel like you are just you you are drinking like eight cups of coffee a day. Is that true? My objective in the off season is to only drink one cup of coffee a day. That's what I try okay. to get down to. I generally am unsuccessful, but like if I'm getting like only two, then I'm feeling good. If you're drinking coffee at like eleven or noon, you're not getting it that's getting out of your system by bedtime. I mean, I'm sure there's still some in your in your system. I don't know. This is another thing we would have to Google, but I feel yeah, like a I, science thing again. If yeah. I'm going to sleep at like yeah, if I'm going to sleep at like eleven, I mean, how much could it? I feel a crash earlier than that, so it can't be in there for that much longer, right? Cliff, when are you having your coffee? Normally, for me, it's probably like I don't know, maybe nine, ten o'clock in the morning. Okay, then, so you don't yeah. just wake up and have it right away. No, 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 no. I'm okay. not that guy. Like normally, when I wake up, I'm just like. All right, let me get the closest thing to water I can get, and yeah. then like I'm that's chugging. what I've been doing. I chug a water yeah. when I wake yeah. up. Oh, you have to critical yeah. before I, before. best way to start your day. <laughs> yeah, but like I chug, I get some water in, and before you know somebody on ESPN starts screaming at me uh, every morning, <laughs> I get some water in my system, and then I start doom scrolling for a little bit, see if something crazy <laughs> happened. What and a regimen! That, that, that's literally that's typically how I start my day. But then, first like, take doom scrolling, and then coffee later. <laughs> Water, doom scrolling, and first stick. It could be something along those lines. Or or I'll read, you know, one of your lovely articles on the ringer.com. Shout out to the ringer. There you go. Good to see you. Nice, nice. There's a a lot of good pieces on there as well. Um, But yeah, nah, typically I just, you know, try to make sure, you know, nothing crazy happened the night before that we can talk about. Then maybe I'll send you guys something that, you know, that's pretty stupid. Like last week when I told you how I missed you guys and, I sent you, you know, a discussion I had heard and just how ludicrous this is and just how much I can't wait till we get yeah. back into the mix of things. But yeah, that's typically like how my morning starts. There you go. All right. I love I it. Love no, I'm, I'm like, but if you're talking like if, if it still keeps me up at night, nah, because I don't really drink coffee throughout the day. Okay. So you're, you're finished by noon or whatever. Your coffee's yeah, over. I'm, yeah. I just need like one and I'm good. Like I don't really yeah. go too crazy with it. Okay. Sure. I got one for you. Yeah, let's finish with this. What do you got? Have you have you seen the uh, the rise, the proliferation of these immaculate grid games uh, online? Have you have you taken a look at them? I have, and I have zero interest. Zero interest. I'm no fun. Everybody, I feel like I'm the only person in uh, every friend, every acquaintance loves these. They're doing it. They're sharing their answers. I have not played one. Uh, I have zero interest in doing that. So, okay, did, have you ever done like an internet game craze where you're no, a mortal guy? Never, you know, never, never. 
Zero. Gosh, you are a wet blanket, aren't you? You're I have a no it- stick in the mud, Shield. I, I absolutely am. I have no interest in any of that. I don't mock people who do. You want to do it? Have fun. Uh, enjoy it. I don't need to be reminded that my memory is shot and all these things I learned over the last... 20 years that now I can't remember. I don't need to be reminded of that every day. See, I'm a year in, like, year out kind of guy. I feel like guy. you wouldn't have that experience. I feel like you'd have the same experience that I do, which is when you see like Commander Seahawks, which was one of the, the, the boxes today, and you would just, your head would immediately go like, oh my gosh, the freaking extension the commanders gave Paul Richardson that one free agency was crazy. I remember writing about how dumb that deal was. And then you'd hit Paul Richardson and it's like, that's, I haven't thought about Paul Richardson in three years. That's nuts. See, I don't think that would be my experience because when you said that, I was trying to think of one and nothing came to me right away. And the sad part is I've probably written about every one of these things <laughs> before and I can't, I write it, it gets out of my system and I forget. I was actually thinking maybe we should do a, a show in the next month where we rewatch the Super Bowl and get some firm thoughts. Here's what we think now that we've had some time to reflect on it. Here's what we think actually happened as it relates to 2023. So I don't know if anybody is interested in that. You might say, forget about that, sweep it under the rug. But I was like, I kind of forget what happened in the Super Bowl already. This is what happens when you're old and you don't eat your almonds like your mom has been telling you to for the last uh, 30 years or so. All right. Good one to end on. I, listen, I feel like we didn't miss a beat here. We got in Eagle stuff. We argued. We yelled at each other. We got some great cliff stuff. Cliff takes. We got some nonsense at the Back end. In the saddle, we got like a we voicemail. Left, I mean, it's like we never left. Uh, this was a lot of fun. We'll figure out our schedule, but we're going to be on a regular schedule now. Uh, Cliff, I've got some Phillies and Sixers takes that I've just been sitting on Man. that I need to unleash. So I might just Man. come back can, later can we this get, week and just. All right, real quick before we sign off here, can we get just a quick hit on one of each? Because last night, I saw my man and B get married like over the weekend, and then I saw a video of James Harden eating burgers or whatever with Trader Truth oh in, in, in Houston. I'm just like, all right, bro. Like, we we this is about to hit the fan soon. So that's I don't my take waste on them. I don't want to waste them. You know what? I'm here. Yeah. I'm going to give you one positive one. That's yeah, yeah. one overall positive one. Uh, Bryce Harper is a treat to watch baseball. To <laughs> watch play baseball every baseman. day. I mean, <laughs> seriously. Like, that guy is just a savant. He plays first base for the first time in the majors. He's just making diving catches. He knows exactly. Like, can you imagine Reese Hoskins watching that going, how is this dude so much better than me when I was taking practice at this every day for years? And he comes out and plays like this. And Harper's power is not bad. You know, Uh he's not having a typical Harper season. But I just appreciate watching him every day because he does like all these little things to, you know, adjust to what he doesn't have. He he jumps in the camera. Well, Uh to catch that ball. I'm just like, this guy is a gamer who you can really rely on. And so you have guys like Bryce Harper, Jalen hurts in the city. And then you have those guys who play for the Sixers, oh, which that'll man. be my tease. Okay. And we'll get to How that about this? How about uh, in this? the next episode. Can we check back on this on Thursday? If you have the time. Oh, yeah. Thursday. Yeah. Later this week, I want to unleash all my... The Phillies have <laughs> right. a three-game series with the Orioles. I'll have with more thoughts after That's that. That's going to be tough. And then I'm ready to just pretty much crush everybody <laughs> involved with the organization I used to love, oh, the Philadelphia 76ers. So we'll we'll see what happens the first day of Eagles camp, and then I'm going to unleash those. Yeah, well, let's do another episode. Can we get some calls week. on this, too? Please. I, I need to hear, I need to hear <laughs> what the people think about this, because this is... Yeah. It's getting out I'm of hand. I'm just trying man. to figure out why Bryce Harper's playing for space and why that matters. I'm Googling right now. I got nothing on it. I don't know why that's significant, but I'll figure it out. He's just a oh, love watching Harper play. All right. 
That'll do it for this episode of Philly. So I haven't badgered you guys in a while. Now you, you haven't had reason to rate and review because we haven't been doing a lot of episodes, but now we're back, baby. So your favorite podcast, get on there, review it, rate it. You know, I'll be obsessed with like, oh, whatever rankings I can find online in like a month from now. So let's make sure uh, we get up there. It's good to be back. Benny Souls, good to talk to you. Cliff, good to talk to you. We'll do it again soon. Thanks to everyone for listening to the Ringers Philly Special. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.